Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 260 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Courtney Miller. Courtney lives in Southwest Florida, where she hosts the podcast Hiking Unfiltered, and she is also in sales. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you, Jen. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I can't wait to talk about your podcast as well, because I know we have a lot of a lot of listeners who love to get out in the great outdoors. We can definitely talk about that as we go. But, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Okay, so I do have a podcast called Hiking Unfiltered. So this is a long and winding road. <laughs> I love it. The really I started dieting when I was like 11, and that's yeah. not an exaggeration unfortunately. It really was. So 
the whole thing started really when my family had sort of a big traumatic event. And we had a huge change of scenery. We moved from living in Southern California to Toledo, Ohio. Like you could not ask for two different environments, two different cultures. And so it was a huge culture shock for me and, and for them too. They grew up in that area and that's why we ended up there. And we all turned to food for comfort. So I was learning very much to comfort eat from my parents. And that was something that we could do that we all had in common. So we were eating together. Well, two years later, after eating together robustly <laughs> with a lot of good Midwestern food, you know, we had all gained a lot of weight and they announced, we're moving back to Southern California. Let's all go on a diet so that oh. we can fit back in in Southern California. Because Southern California is like the most body conscious place you're ever going to be in, I think, between the the Hollywood influence and just the general culture there. So they said, let's, let's all go on a diet. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you what it was that we did because <laughs> it was quite a long time ago. I'm not even close to 11 years old anymore. <laughs> but we... We all did it. And I don't remember how long it took. I don't think it was very long, though. I do remember, however, stepping on my grandmother's scale because we were living with my grandmother at the time. And she had an old school with the analog, you know, yeah. that you could see the dial, the dial move. Yeah. So it was a very visual thing, stepping on the scale. And I remember looking down at that scale and seeing the number 133, which was my goal. I, and I went through puberty very young. So I was almost to my you know, final height at age 11. So 133, I saw it on the dial. Everybody jumped up and said, yay, Courtney yay. did it, yay. And I'm an only child, or at least I was until I was age 23. That's a different story. <laughs> but I was an only child. So, you know, yay, Courtney did it. And, oh, we're going to go to the mall now because this is the 80s. So we uh -huh. went to the mall to get clothes for Courtney. Did you go to Benetton or to The Limited? You know, that's a great question. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, what in the world is Benetton? <laughs> I remember the United Colors of Benetton. Yeah. yeah. And The so, Gap. Yeah. Oh, The Gap. Yeah. I uh -huh. like dr I dreamed of being able to shop in The Gap because I was a mm -hmm. big girl and they just did not carry those sizes back then. Yeah. So anyway, we went to the mall. I, you know, got my new wardrobe and all that stuff. I think it involved quite a few like stirrup pants and, and harem stuff. Because <laughs> that's where it was in, in oh, fashion. Yeah. Stirrup pants. Oh, my God. Those, yeah, right. I remember it takes the, you back. <laughs> well, like they were fine if you had your boots on. But right. once you took your boots off, you, you looked ridiculous. Right, exactly. And I wore stirrup pants occasionally with jelly shoes. So it was oh, the full 80s package. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so we all made our goal. And we traveled, we drove cross country from Toledo back to Southern California. And this was, gosh, what year was that? 1986. Okay. So we moved back to Southern California and I think I maintained that weight for like five minutes. And it was stressful again, moving back right. and again, feeling like I didn't fit in, like readjusting to a completely different culture again. I remember I had a very humiliating experience. I was in sixth grade. I was taller than almost all the other kids. I'd gone through puberty, so I was curvaceous. And I was walking home from school and there was this 
boy who had recently moved from Sweden that I had a crush on. I think his name was Peter. <laughs> and I had a crush on him. He was walking behind me and this bully ran up and pantsed me. Oh, no. In front That's like of where the they boy. pull your pants down, right? Yes. He pull, oh, I still my had God. my underwear on, right? right? But oh my gosh, like my pants are literally around my ankles in public in front of this boy that I like oh. so much. And then I got made fun of for being fat. So oh. this is a very visceral experience. Oh, I, I bet that was like traumatizing. Very, very. I mean, I wouldn't like it if it happened right now. Right, I know. To me. <laughs> Even if you're confident and you're wearing cute little undies, you really don't. Right? No, no. <laughs> you don't want that. I mean, and I live in a neighborhood where I go to water aerobics and I walk around, get my mail in my bathing suit. I don't even care. But still, there's just something about that. That would not feel good. Just incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. Know? So that was a very visceral experience for me. The police were called, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the damage had been done psychically. I then, you know, struggled. We moved again and still in Southern California, but we moved houses. And I was within easy walking slash biking distance to a place called Portola Plaza. And they had all kinds of lovely things there. They had a grocery store. There was a drugstore. There was a frozen yogurt because it's the 80s and that was really uh, was a big, it fat big free? deal. Yes, yeah. of course. Fat-free yeah. frozen yogurt with like Butterfingers all over it. Right. And a bagel shop and a Taco Bell. Like it was just a smorgasbord. So yeah. I could go down there with my babysitting money and buy whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I did. And when I started high school, I, I lost a little bit of weight because I started walking to school and it was about two miles each direction. So that helped. And then I got my driver's license and then it yeah, crept back up. And throughout all that time, I was trying different things, you know, lean cuisines. I had the Jane Fonda workout tapes memorized. Yeah. And I think I even owned some leg warmers. <laughs> oh, I had all sorts of leg warmers. See, I was, you know, of course, grew up in the dance studio, but right. we would wear them with our jeans. Like it was a fashion oh, yeah. statement. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I went through, you know, up and down and up and down. I pretty much ranged maybe 20 pounds up and down between probably about Oh, 170 and 190 throughout high school. And then my... And how tall are you? I'm 5'7". Okay. So, so that's I, not like a crazy amount it's, of weight. It's not for huge. Five, so if you were like 5'2", that would be yeah. a big, you know, and on your frame it would be different. But it's still in the it's overweight still category. Enough. It's, and especially as a teenager in Southern right. California. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, I'm going mm-hmm. to water parks and I'm looking at... I always had cellulite like... From day one, it felt like I had cellulite. As soon as I I went through puberty, I did too. And I was always so envious of the girls who didn't. Even now, I have to be honest with you. I look at the (laughs) the people that are older than me and have really smooth thighs and I'm like, darn it. But it's just the genetics we were dealt. Yeah, for sure. I am definitely built to withstand a harsh winter. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's up and down, up and down through high school. I actually... Gosh, my dad is a was a big, big influence on my diet mentality because he would also both of my parents would yo-yo. And we would go from, okay, we're all eating plain popcorn. That's our big snack from the air popper, you know, right. drinking water and or diet coke, lots of diet coke. And we'd go from that to like we're eating pie filling right out of a can. It was just like up and down, up and down. And my dad said, I'm gonna do this thing where I'm going to fast. 
every other day. But his version of fasting, now that I know, of course, was not even remotely clean. Right. But it was basically liquid diet one day and then eat whatever you want the next day and liquid diet the next day type of thing. So I tried that for, I don't know, maybe a week with my dad. And he lost weight. And I was just like, after a week, I'm like, I can't, this is terrible. That would be awful. Any of those diets I ever did that involve shakes, like, you know, from the early slim fast shakes to the ones that were super expensive and your multi-level marketing friend was selling them, right? Right. Programs. They were just, I was always starving and hangry. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was so hangry. Uh, We kind of lost a little bit. He lost more than I did. He ended up having gastric surgery. Gastric bypass? No, not gastric bypass. He actually ended up with bleeding ulcers. Oh, okay. So he was in an emergency situation, like rushed to the hospital in the middle of the night, actually flatlined at one point during surgery type of thing. He's still alive and with us today. But that experience, he was in the hospital for two months after Mm. that and being fed just like through a tube. So he came out of that. Obviously, he lost a lot of weight (laughs) because... Right. You can't ask for a more controlled diet than that. Correct. Than a tube. <laughs> exactly. And when he came out of the hospital, he said, my doctor told me I can eat anything I want. And he took that, you know, and ran with it. And then before you knew it, he was, I'm not joking. He literally asked us all to call him fat boy to remind Aww. him to not eat so much. So this is the weird dynamic that I grew up in. By my, between junior and senior year of high school, I met someone and fell in love and he worked in a fast food restaurant and I got all the free food I could eat. Oh, I bet. What restaurant was it? It was Carl's Jr., which back here is Hardee's. It's like Hardee's. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that was my summer. Let's see, what year would that be? Between Nin- junior and senior? It was, yeah, it was 1992. So okay. broomstick skirts, you know, it's a very bohemian oh, yes. wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Broomstick skirts are very forgiving. And over that summer, I had no idea how much weight I had gained because we were eating buddies. And I went to go get ready for school and went to buy school clothes. And I had gone from what was typically like a 14, 16, and I could still shop at Target because this was, you know, again, back then they didn't have all of the sizes that they have now. Right. 14, 16. And I could not fit into any of my school clothes. And we had to go to a specialty store because back then they didn't have these sizes everywhere. You had, there was like one store. That's it. I know they had like... 12, 14, 16, 18, and that was like on the sign or something, like the, the name of the, Yeah. And I don't remember where it was because this was before even Lane Bryant was like a right. big, big deal. But yeah, I had to find a size 20 to wear to school. And that was like huge for me. But I got even bigger after that because we moved back to Ohio right after I graduated high school. Oh. And that was another you know, trauma and more depression and more eating Midwestern food. And I got up to my largest size. I honestly don't know how much I weighed, but this was in my early 20s. And I was in a size 22 and like busting out of that, like Mm -hmm. about to be into a size 24. And I remember, I was probably, I don't know, 21, 22. I remember crying in the bathroom 
and looking at myself in the mirror, like looking myself in the eyes in the mirror, crying and saying to myself in my reflection, I love you. I don't know why I'm hurting you like this. And then Oprah Winfrey came out with her book with her personal trainer. Oh, I remember that. Yes. So I read Make the Connection and he started talking about portion control. And I was like, well, I could try that. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. You know, I was measuring my food. And I started walking and then pushing myself to run, which was not a fabulous idea when you're like 100 pounds overweight. Oh, yeah. It was really, I I injured myself quite a few times pushing myself, but I lost quite a bit of weight on my own. I was not in any kind of program. I lost about, I think I had gotten down to maybe 180-ish again, which was huge. Because again, I don't know exactly how much I weighed on the the top end of that, Mm -hmm. but it was probably upwards of 250 pounds. So I was able to, through exercise and controlling my diet, kind of maintain and back into like a size 14, 16. I got married, got pregnant. I could eat anything I wanted. There you go. Yeah. And I'm eating for two. But the thing that I... (laughs) didn't really pay attention to at the time was that the other person that I was eating for was like, you know, the size of a walnut and I was eating for like, you know, refrigerator Perry. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that you said that because I, you know, I taught in Aiken and the Perrys were big people. And I taught (laughs) one of his nieces, I think was at my elementary school. Ah, there you go. Yeah. He's a very famous South Carolina football player. 
There yeah. you go. Yeah. So I was eating like, you know, every single craving that even remotely popped into my head. I was like, well, I have to have that because I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I learned that I, that I have a favorite brand of root beer while I was pregnant, you know, all kinds of goofy things. And while I was pregnant, I gained 70 pounds. Wow. Seven zero. Okay. And when I had my daughter, she was a really, really large baby. She was my first baby. And my doctor said, okay, if you are not showing signs of, you know, being ready by her due date, we're just going to do a C-section. We're just going to plan a C-section. And if I had known what I know now, I, I may have advocated a little bit better for myself. But at the time I was like terrified of labor. So yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. You Whatever know, you deal. say, doc. Yeah. <laughs> deal. So I did go in for a C-section because on her due date, I had no movement happening. So she was born very healthy. She had the most amazing little cherub cheeks because I fed her so much, <laughs> but she was eight pounds, 15 ounces. So she was a very big baby. Will was eight pounds, nine ounces, and he was born two weeks early. So he was going to be super big, but yeah. Yeah. She wasn't ready. And she's still like this now as a teenager. It's like, 10 more minutes. (laughs) So when she was born, obviously, I, you know, lost weight immediately from the birth. And then I was like, okay, that's it. I'm, oh, I forgot to tell you. Before I got pregnant, this is the only time I ever did a commercial weight loss program. I was in LA weight loss. I had lost about 20 pounds and then I got pregnant. Uh-huh. So I was in the diet plan when I got pregnant, which was part of the reason I'm sure that I went so far 180 oh, yeah. with the eating. Yeah. yeah, I had been dieting right before I got pregnant with Cal, my first, and because I was all on that yo-yo up and down. I mean, it wasn't a very big yo-yo back then. You know, right. I might go from the one – 118 was the lowest I ever saw. And then I might go up into like 145 and then I would go back down. But I was at 123 the day I was at the doctor's office, you know, for my first pregnancy visit. I, yeah. I had been dieting and because I was on the low end. And then I was like, all right, I'm eating whatever I want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I went back to LA Weight Loss after having her. Don't remember if they had me on a higher calorie because I was breastfeeding. I don't remember if they did or not. What is their plan? Is it just like calorie counting kind of a thing? Because I never did LA weight loss. It's kind of a portion control thing. And like, here's your menu of foods that you can select from. And of course, they had bars and they had Ugh. the 48-hour the juice diet thing, which basically was fasting. That's why Oh, it yeah. Didn't they have like a, a bottled product you could buy yes. at the grocery store? I remember seeing that there. I never yes. bought that because I was like, no, thank you. Oh, my you. God. It was terrible. I didn't understand how that was going to make you lose weight. So I don't Yeah. <laughs> It was terrible. (laughs) So uh, I loved the results, hated actually going through it. Right. Yeah, I got back to my pre-pregnancy weight. So I was back in my my skinny jeans with air quotes around that because my skinny jeans were size 18. But I was back in that body. And then I ended up getting divorced. I went through a very traumatic work situation where I was working like a maniac for a while. I I got remarried and I was working like 
11 days straight with no time off. And those days were not like a nine to five. They were 12 hour days with a one hour commute on either end in retail. It was really rough. And that was, I was in Sam's clubs most of the time and Sam's clubs, you know, they have the little, or at least back then before COVID, they would have all those little sample cards. And I made friends with the sample cart ladies and they wouldn't give me samples. They would give me like plates full of stuff, you know? And so I put a lot of weight on at Sam's club, plus the tankards of soda, you know, and all of that. So yeah, I was again in a size 22 and busting out of it when I kind of had this moment of, again, a almost suicidal, really just like I was so, so darkly very low, a very very low, low, very low point. And I quit that job and I said, that's it. I'm going to do something that makes me happy. And I started training to be a life coach and I enjoyed that, but I was still very, very overweight and I was in debt and I didn't feel like I had my own stuff together. So how the heck am I going to coach somebody else? (laughs) And, and then I ended up through that, the person who trained me as a coach said, you know, Courtney, you're really good at baking and you're very passionate about it. Maybe you should look at that. And then I started my own business, Courtney's Creations, and I was baking. And I was very good at it because I was, a, a, you know, great at quality control with my own oh, baking. Yeah. <laughs> and I was actually doing very, very well with the business. It was growing leaps and bounds because of Facebook and people would send my pictures all around and stuff like that. And I did cake sculptures. And, oh, ooh. Yeah. When was that? Like right around what time? Oh, gosh. Let's see. I started the business at the beginning of 2014. Okay. I did that for about four years, almost four years, just shy of it. And two years in, because of that business, I met somebody at a networking function and we got together for coffee. She was a a videographer and I said, oh, we should talk. You know, you do weddings, so do I. Maybe we can, you know, refer each other business. So we got together for coffee and I said, I would love for you to try my stuff sometime. She said, well, I don't eat flour or sugar. And I said, you know, I can do sugar-free, gluten-free. And she's like, no, 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 no. I really don't eat anything like what you make. And I'm in this 12-step program and I've lost all this weight and I've maintained it. And every year I take out my winter clothes and they still fit. And I was like, ooh. That sounds like a miracle for anyone who's been on that yo-yo up and down like me and like you for all those years. You're like, what do you mean? You don't have like bins of... Skinny clothes, medium clothes, large clothes. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So she said, yeah, well, you can come to a meeting sometime and check it out. I said, okay. But this is December when we're having this conversation. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not coming And you're a baker also. Yeah, exactly. I'm not skipping the Christmas cookies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I went in in January. I remember it was January 15th was, I want to say like my first day of what they were calling abstinence. And it was no flour no sugar, three weighed and measured meals a day. You had a sponsor that you talked to every day. You had to commit your food every single day. Like you called that person and said, this is exactly what I'm eating and exactly how much of each thing that I'm eating. And if you deviated from that, you were supposed to reach out to your sponsor and tell them why you were deviating. Because the idea was accountability, which makes sense. But if taken to an extreme, that can be just as traumatizing. Right. Right. Because it's like, oh, I was paranoid. 
about my labels. And like, if you went to a restaurant, I'd be like, you know, I have food allergies. I can't have any flour or sugar. Like nothing should even come close to touching my food. And I don't know, is this five ounces of broccoli or is this four ounces of like, you know, I got really stupid about it. I lost a hundred pounds. That's the upside. Oh, here's what makes that even more interesting. So I, once again, my body, as I started to lose weight and clean things up went, Oh, you're ready. I had been off the pill for about three years, right? I was 39. This was in February. I was going to be turning 40 in March. Guess what? I'm guessing. Yeah. I had lost about 16 pounds and then I woke up and went, you know, I had like, "Eh, I'm a little bit late. Maybe I should grab a test on the way home. So the next morning I tested, I'm like, it's like 4.30 in the morning and I find out. Yeah, I'm going to be 40 next month and I'm pregnant. I'm like, are you kidding me? It was a total forehead slap moment. I'm like, I I just found this. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing. I went to my sponsor and I said, well, I'm pregnant. And she said, okay, let me do some research. And she called around and she gave me a food plan. I stayed on a food plan the entire time that I was pregnant. And we added protein and there were, and then I got some crazy food aversions in there, you know, and I was nauseous and throwing up and stuff like that. My son would not let me eat vegetables. He's still really bad about vegetables, (laughs) (laughs) but like the only thing he would tolerate was like canned tomatoes and ground beef and rice. So that was my lunch just about every day for several months. I found myself dreaming about salads, but you just couldn't eat them. I just couldn't keep them down. But eventually what happened was I lost 40 pounds while I was pregnant. I went in for my first visit. I was like 240-ish, right? And then by the day that I went in and I was, you know, in labor, I was about 200 pounds. And the doctor who was seeing me the whole time at one point was like, you know, I'm worried. You're still losing weight. This is not, you shouldn't be doing this while you're pregnant. And I showed her what I was eating because I had my stuff because I wrote it down every single day. And she looked at my list and she's like, well, this all looks okay. I guess, you know, carry on. I did have labor with him. (laughs) So I I got the labor experience. I had 36 hours of labor, actually, and he didn't want to come out either. And the doctor finally said, you know, he's struggling and we don't want to keep putting him under stress. So I ended up with a second C-section and I recovered very quickly from my second C-section. And I'm sure so much of it had to do with my food at that point was so incredibly clean. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't eating sugar. I wasn't eating flour. I wasn't eating anything processed. So I recovered very quickly from my C-section. I continued to lose weight while I was breastfeeding him. And by the time it was all said and done, I lost 110 pounds. I got down to 131. Wow. Yeah. That's which smaller was, than when you were in 11. Yes, it is. And here's the thing. I was happy, maybe 15 pounds heavier than that. Yeah, that's really tiny for someone your height. It is. And when I look at my pictures now from when I was that weight, I did not look healthy. Because you're five seven, is that what you said? Yeah, I looked skeletal. It wasn't a good look. And I remember, okay, this is gonna be maybe a little bit TMI, but I remember being so disappointed with my boobs. <laughs> yes, they were like little tennis balls and socks. They were just so uh, sad. <laughs> all the women are gonna get it. And probably some of the men have seen boobs like that too. So yes. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, dang it. You know, I thought when I lost 110 pounds, I'm going to look like Scarlett Johansson. I did not. No, no. But here's the thing with that program. I was still in that program, that 12 step program. And it's Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, FA. I was still in that program that whole time. And your sponsor basically declares when you're done losing weight. Oh, that's interesting. That's where it gets a little twisted. I just used the word interesting. I didn't want to say twisted, but... Okay, well, I'm going to say twisted. It's <laughs> yeah, my it's word. Not, okay, it does sound twisted. <laughs> yeah, it's a, little, it's a little twisted. If I ever say that's interesting, you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Southern thing, right? Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, bless right? your heart. That's yeah, so exactly. interesting. That's right, that is exactly what we say. <laughs> <laughs> so she hadn't, for whatever reason, I was like, you know, 145. I looked really good at 145. I looked really good at 145. 42. And yet she kept holding out and holding out. And finally, I got to the point, I was meditating one morning and I was really frustrated. I was like, at what, like, how much more does she think I need? Like, is she seeing something that I'm not seeing? Because you know how that is too. Like when you see photographs of yourself, you'll see the places where you're, that you don't see when you're just looking at yourself in the mirror, because you're avoiding those areas when you're looking in the mirror. So is she seeing something I'm not seeing? I don't know. So I was meditating one morning and as I sat down with intention for my meditation, I kind of asked the question, like, what should I do about this? And I got a very clear two word answer when I was meditating and it was speak up. Oh, I love that. I did. I spoke up and I said, look, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I'm done. And her reaction was really interesting. (laughs) I'm going to say interesting. So her reaction was really interesting. She was like, because basically once you got to maintenance, you get to add grains back in, potatoes, rice, that type of stuff. And she basically was kind of like, well, here, take your grain and shut up about it. It was kind of the attitude. Like, Now, was she at maintenance? Was she, she was. at her goal? Okay. Yes, that's, I just I wondered was. how that played into the dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And she had been, you know, for a while. And it just kind of left me with this kind of cringy feeling about it. I ended up finding another sponsor. That sponsor, I don't know if she, like, fired me or if I fired mm-hmm. her or what I can't remember what happened. Wasn't a good particular. fit. It wasn't a good fit for whatever reason. And then this is 2017, beginning of 2017. Mm-hmm. I had been struggling to regain intimacy with my husband after pregnancy and after hormones. And I'm, you know, 41 plus dealing with a baby. <laughs> and it's like you know, I'm exhausted all the time. We ended up saying we have to do something for our marriage. My dad and my stepmother were living with us in our house. That was also putting a damper on many things. It's also very stressful. We love them like crazy, but oh my God. It's hard to have them there. Yeah, It is. It is. So we said, okay, we're going to get a Airbnb. We're going to go away from the house because we just need to like, just have some time just for us. So for the away weekend, we went out to a restaurant and I kind of, I think had probably already made up my mind that day. I was still in that program, right? I think I'd already kind of decided, I just want to relax. I'm so tired of being so vigilant all the time. I just want to relax. So I did at dinner. I ate what I wanted to eat. I had dessert. I had a glass of wine my system, I think I had French fries for like the first time in three years or something like that. And my system did not appreciate that. I'll just say. <laughs> it was wasn't like, oh, the romantic night of your dream. adding to the romance. No. <laughs> Gastric distress does not add to romance. No. <laughs> but 
in that program, they call that a break, right? You broke your abstinence. And so after that, I was like, well, it's broken now. So I'm going to town. And you can guess where that led. That well, led to, you know, all kinds of stuff. That's the pattern you saw your whole childhood. Mm-hmm. The pattern of when it's over, it's over. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you learned. Absolutely. So, you know, I went to town and I ate to the point where I was physically in pain. You know, it was just a, I'm making up for lost time kind of feeling. And so then I went in and out and in and out and I eventually left the program, came back to the program again, lost, you know, the little bit that I had gained as I was out there, which I gained. mm, Let's see, I had gotten down to 131. I gained up to about 159 and like 160 was my line where I was like, eh, okay, fine. Can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I went back and then I lost that again. And then I went on vacation in Scotland and it was the same kind of thing. I'm on vacation. I have a very specific food plan. I have, I'm, I mean, I was so tired of being like the special child. Right. You know, we go out to eat and I'm the one who has, I'm like the Karen, right? <laughs> At yeah. the table who's asking about this, da, 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 da. And I have to have just so much and blah, blah, blah right? And we went, we were on this island in Scotland. My stepdad was our tour guide basically because he's from there and he knew the owner of this one pub and we had to go to that pub because he knows the owners of that pub and we went there and I'm looking at the menu and there is literally nothing on this menu that I can right. eat nothing mm-hmm. I left I walked out my family was still inside the pub I literally left my family behind and walked out onto the street and like had a tantrum I bet and came back in and said F it <laughs> I'm going to eat and I'm going to have a glass of cider too, <laughs> you know, cause I'm in Scotland and they have amazing draft cider there. And so I did. And for the rest of the vacation, I was just like, you know, I would kind of rein it back in and then I'd have a little something and then I'd rein it back in I'd have a little something. And I gained about 11 pounds on that two week vacation, came back and I had a friend who I saw who I hadn't seen for several months and she had lost about 50 pounds. And I said, what are you doing? I'm doing keto. <laughs> so then I got on the keto train and the keto train took that weight off immediately. But that was, you know, it was inflammation. And it I really also was. bet that keto felt like a luxury vacation after what oh, yeah. you had been doing, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I can eat fat and bacon and yeah. oh, avocado. I love avocados. I still eat avocados. Me too. Yeah. One of my favorite foods. So yeah, so I got on the keto train and keto is what led me. To intermittent fasting. I and what was year was that? That was 2018. So that was before that article came out. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked is because that was the period of time when intermittent fasting and keto were like hand in glove. The perception was if you're doing intermittent fasting, you must also be doing keto, which of course is not necessary for everybody. That's not true. But people were really putting that message out there. Like if you, you better be doing them both. And, and yeah. you know, fighting against that was hard. Yeah, I found, I think it was through Facebook, I found this course that I ended up paying for. It wasn't terribly expensive, but it was called Intermittent Fasting for Today's Aging Woman. I've heard of that. Yeah. I remember I, that. I can't remember. The, okay, the name of the lady who Diane, did it. Yes. Diane. Oh, I can't think of her last name, right? Parsons? I, was like, maybe I can't that, remember. Maybe that's wrong. But I know it's right. Diane. I remember that. Was it keto? It was keto-ish. But what she was basically, for lack of a better word, preaching was like a 20-hour 
fasting, a four hour feasting window. And her motto, and she's, I think she's still out there doing what she does. Her motto was, you know, you have to ask yourself these two questions when you wake up in the morning, how long am I going to fast and how well am I going to feast? Mm-hmm. Which made sense to me. And again, so I think my first fast was like 16 hours clean fast. And she was also a proponent of the clean fast. Was it Diane Parham? Was that yes, her Yes, that's name? it. Parham. Yes, Isn't it funny you. how the brain works? My brain, I, I, I had stopped thinking about it and my brain just, and she spelled her name differently. It didn't yeah, look like, like D, Diane. It was like D-Y Something weird. space Something. and Paul, yeah. 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 She had some wonderful tools and I really enjoyed her, the way that she explained things. It made sense. That led me to reading Jason Fung and Jimmy Jimmy Moore. Thank you. Jimmy Moore. Yeah. I was say Jimmy The Fallon. Complete Guide to Fasting. I'm Jimmy Fallon on the brain of Burley. No, Jimmy Moore, <laughs> The Complete Guide to Fasting. I still have that, I think, in my kitchen. They laid out all of these different plans. So right. I was listening to it on audio first, and then I got the physical book because I find that just the way that I learn, if I'm reading fiction, I want to read it in a physical copy. For some reason, I lose myself better in fiction, like with it in front of my face. But when I'm trying to learn, I learn better through audio, which is interesting. It You're is an auditory inter- learner. I am an auditory learner. So I listen, I take notes, I you know go back and I listen to it again. So I listened to that and he was talking about the 40-hour fast. And as he was explaining the 40-hour fast, at that point, I was already, I don't know, maybe 18 hours fasted. And I was like, well, what the hell? I'm going to try it. So I just kept on fasting and I went to bed that night and I woke up the next day and I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. And I started to see some results, but I just was so inconsistent with it. And I started to regain because I was in my eating windows. I was just, again, I had over-restricted for so long. My body was just like, give me food. So I was, you know, really, really hunger driven and I was eating all kinds of stuff. And it was like, oh, my God, I haven't had a pumpkin spice latte in four years. I want a pumpkin spice latte, you know, all of these things. So I gained quite a bit of weight back in the beginning of it was partway through 2020 that I found your podcast this podcast, along with the one that you were doing with Melanie. And I started listening and it was like, oh, this makes so much sense to me. And I ended up buying Fast Feast Repeat and listening to that on audio. And again, you laid out so much of the same information I had already heard. Right. Right. And I remember hearing the definition of an epiphany is basically an awakening to what you already know. <laughs> oh, I love that. I don't know that I've ever heard that before, but that makes sense. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I already knew all this. I've already had all of this information. It's when your brain some, connected it. Yeah. It's like all the dots get connected and you go, bing, right? So I had that moment listening to Fast Peace Repeat and I did the 28-day fast start. And then I gradually started, you know, tweaking things. And, you know, over this last so that was 20, the beginning of 2021 that I got that book. So it was over this last year, I kind of, you know, up and down, up and down, still kind of just like, yeah, maintain. I got to shape a scale. That was not a good idea for me. Oh, did that not work well for you? Kind of, yeah, kind of mess. I kept wanting to see the actual, like, well, 
how come it says green today and then tomorrow it's gray? I don't, why? You know, I just, I just, right. I just I get, Look, I get it. We all need <laughs> yeah. different kind of feedback. Like I don't ever want to see a number again. So yeah. for yeah. me, I don't want to see numbers, but some people need to see the numbers. It's, yeah. And that there's no right. And it's not like this way's right. And that way's wrong. And right. Yeah. I ended up throwing away the shape of scale. And when my subscription ran out. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I actually did too. And that doesn't mean I don't like Shapa, but my subscription ran out. I had it for a year. And I'm like, well, now I just throw it away. It wasn't a tool I needed anymore. And so that was it. Yeah. So what I'm using now is Happy Scale. And I love do Happy my, Scale. I love I it. I like it too. And I weigh myself daily, which I thought was going to mess with my head. But when I do it with Happy Scale, it doesn't. I Good. can see the progress. So I don't get so wound up in it. It's like, oh, today, it took me a while to get to what I'm doing now as far as my like my fasting protocol. I was down to a 19.5 was typically what I was doing. But here's the thing. I tend to be a volume eater. Mm-hmm. And if I'm doing just a very small window like that, I can do a lot of damage in five hours. So I, I just really, mean. we can eat a lot in five hours. Yeah. I was backtracking. Yeah. I was back. Yeah. I was sliding up the scale. I'm like this, I'm, I'm fasting to not go up the scale. Right. And then of course, simultaneously, perimenopause. Oh. Yeah. So I got all that going on too. So I'm chronically tired. I'm getting the hot flashes and the night sweats and the da, 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 da. And so really I was just struggling kind of in every direction. And around June of just this year, I had a conversation with a girlfriend who had lost a bunch of weight and we were talking and she said, well, what's your why? I don't know why, but I hadn't really thought about it. What my why? What, why am I trying to lose weight? Why? And I was like, well, you know, and here's the thing. For me, my mantra was a vanity mantra. I just wanted to be in better clothes. And I went through that phase when I was skinny, right? And I could walk into any store and I could find something. And it was just a big thrill that I could reject the clothes instead of the clothes rejecting me. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, maybe went a little bit nuts. Goodwill was, I I haunted Goodwill. 
But that really wasn't my motivation if I really thought about it. That wasn't motivating enough. It's like the thing that I thought I should be my answer. Like right. my answer should be that I want to look good because that's the culture I was brought up in. But really, when I sat down and I thought about it, because I was, I was kind of, in a, again, in a sort of a dark place back in May and June of just this year, because I felt like I'm doing all this stuff and it's just not, I'm just not getting anywhere with it. Right. And when she asked me that question, I really genuinely took it to heart. And I realized that my why wasn't that I could fit into pretty clothes, because I have pretty clothes. And you can get pretty clothes now in just about any size. Right. That wasn't it. The why was that I wanted to be able to do things that I'm passionate about, physically do things that without them being more of a struggle than they have to be, like hiking. Like hiking, I love, love, love hiking. Love being in the mountains, love climbing up hills and seeing the views. That is a lot harder when you have an extra 100 pounds on your body, right? Because one of my big dreams is to through hike the entire Appalachian Trail. I figured that's what you were going to say. Yes, that's a that big is, one. How long does it take to do that? You know, it really varies mm-hmm. on how fast you walk, how many yeah. days you like to take off in town. You know, it, there's people who have done it in eight months. There are people who've done it in like three months. It just really varies. Okay. My goal is probably, you know, six months ish. I don't want so it you to just be, start and do it. Do it. Yeah. You just do it. So all in one season, that's my goal. So having that goal and right now my goal for that is tied in with, I have a daughter who is a junior in high school. We have, you know, essentially two years until she graduates. And then we have a little bit more flexibility because she is from a previous marriage. And that has tied us to this spot because we wanted to move. The other family needed to move too in order for that to all work out. So we've been kind of tied to this area. So 2024 is the goal. It may be 2025. I don't know. It may have to move back a year depending on finances, but that's the goal. So if I'm going to through hike in 2024, I want to do it in the healthiest body I can. And at that point, I would be 49. Right. Right. Or maybe possibly I'll be doing it for I'll be like fabulous and 50 and hiking the, (laughs) the Appalachian Trail. I don't know. So. That's my why now. My why is I want to be able to get down on the floor and get back up without assistance. Mm -hmm. I want to not be afraid of falling down because if I am going to hike that, there's lots of rocks and roots that that trail is infamous for rocks and roots. You really kind of have to watch your feet most of the time. So I will fall down at some point with a 25 to 30 pound pack on my back. I need to be able to get back up. I need for that to not to be as traumatic. If there's anything I can do to prevent that, I want to do that. And who knows what may happen, but there are some things that are within my control and I want to be able to, to do those things. So once I finally got to that point where I really thoroughly understood my why, then I started to look at, okay, So what I've been doing hasn't been working for me. And going back to that whole tweak it till it's easy, right? Like you've mentioned in your book. Okay, it's time for me to tweak it. And I kept listening to the Your Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast. And I heard quite a few people talking about ADF. And I was like, well, I've done it before, but I did it really, really in a terrible, not clean way. And it was torture. So let me try it. 
let me try it. Because I had done before, like back in 2018, three different times, I did like 72-hour fasts. Yeah, because after reading The Complete Guide to Fasting, they give you the impression like, the more the merrier, just fast forever. But no. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No. (laughs) No, it does not work, by the way. No. So I started doing, it was uh, July, actually, towards the beginning of July. And we're recording this September 1, so it hasn't been that long. It has not been that long. So I went through, I think, one full week where I did completely clean, like, the entire day. Yeah, a complete fast. Complete fast. On the down day. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? And I was having trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe I need to tweak this just a little bit more. I did start to see movement on the scale for the first time in what felt like forever. So I was like, and it, it wasn't torture. I can do this. This is something I feel like I can actually sustain without feeling deprived without having to go on that, you know, yo-yo swing back and forth. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try the 500 calorie down day instead. Maybe I'll be able to sleep better if I have a little something in my stomach. So I started doing that. And then we went on vacation for a week and I said, "Eh, you know, I'll just fast for as long as I can each day. I'm not going to do ADF on vacation. We were actually up in Tennessee, right in the like southeastern corner of Tennessee. So, you know, North Carolina's right over here. Georgia's right over here. We went to Mercier Orchards in Blue Ridge, which is amazing. Amazing. Yes. Amazing apple pie there. Ooh, that sounds <laughs> yeah, good. We got one and the two of us ate it over the course of three days. <laughs> you know, we didn't like sit down and gorge on it. We just each had a piece each day. So I enjoyed my time there. And here's something really interesting that happened. On that vacation, I had a day, it was the last day of our vacation. We decided we were going to go hike Blood Mountain in Georgia as part of the Appalachian Trail. And we were going to do a loop and it's about a six and a half mile loop. But this is not like a six and a half mile flat ground loop. (laughs) This is a huge elevation gain. Wow. It is a challenge. And that was our point. We wanted a challenge. And we're coming from, you know, sea level at best. In some places here. like Oh, yeah. Florida is flat. The high ground in my county. And this is not an exaggeration. 27 feet above sea level. Yeah. So going to, you know, 5,000 feet or whatever. That's a big deal. We did it. We intentionally hiked it southbound, which is basically getting the huge, hard elevation gain out of the way on the front end of the hike. Yeah. I hiked all the way up Blood Mountain, past Blood Mountain Shelter to our water source, which was about by about one o'clock in the afternoon, fasted. Wow. Yes, fasted. And I was like, no worse for the wear. I was ready to eat by the time we ate, but I did it fasted. And I was like, look at me go. It was very exciting. And then, of course, afterwards, I had a Snickers bar (laughs) because that's like the hiker food of choice. (laughs) There you go. And it's little. You can carry it with you. Yeah, Yeah. Snickers bars are big for hikers. So we celebrated back at the Neil Gap with Snicker bars and a view from Blood Mountain. Wow. When we got back home, right back to my normal schedule, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I did the 500 calorie down day, which for me looks like a giant salad Mm -hmm. because it's very filling and I get to crunch a lot and I get the satisfaction of chewing. And usually I'll top that off with some chicken or some tuna fish or something like that. And I don't know why, but I've gotten on this kick lately with sweet potatoes. So I'll have like a sweet potato. I love sweet potatoes. Yeah. I love them. So I'll have a sweet potato and that's my hot thing. So I can have my cold salad and my hot and it feels very satisfying, but I'm not going past my 500 calories. And I do it at night with my family eating dinner. And then it, I don't go through the whole, 
well, now that I've eaten, I want to eat more. I don't have time for that because then I'm ready to go to bed. Right. So it automatically gives me an, an out. I don't have to go through that hangry torture. Yeah. And then the next day, I typically, when I, on my up days, I try not to be terribly restrictive, but I've noticed that that appetite correction is happening. And I tend to just want, like, it was not intentional, but yesterday was and supposed to be an up day, but I had gone off schedule this week because on Monday morning I had a meeting with somebody and he wanted to meet over breakfast. Okay. Monday's usually my down day. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do breakfast. I was hoping I could do breakfast and close my window. Yeah, I can't. Not work can't for do me. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. do it. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to have an up day. And you know, it is what it is. Tuesday was my down day instead. Yesterday was an up day. And since I had that extra day of eating, you know, I had a three days in a row of eating. I do a four, three schedule now. I had basically three days in a row that yesterday I just allowed my body to tell me when I was hungry and I wasn't really truly hungry until one o'clock in the afternoon. And then I broke my fast and, you know, some yogurt. And then I continued to eat until dinner. And really, I only had about a five, maybe six hour eating window yesterday. And I've tracking everything in happy scale. So I'm seeing it's like a little sawtooth, you know, on my up. Yeah, because the up day, you have the yeah. up weight and then the down. But we do recommend just I'm popping it in because the teacher has to come out. We do recommend usually six to eight hours minimum on up days. But you had mm-hmm. kind of a wonky schedule. You're not That's not something you're making a habit of. But I just wanted to pop that yeah. in. Yeah, no, I think I pretty much broke my fast around one. And yeah. Yeah, we were done with dinner around seven. So it probably mm-hmm. was about a six hours. All right. But it's like a little sawtooth. Yeah. You know, it goes up but it's after my update goes down. down, but the whole slope, the general direction is heading down. So what I've seen since I finally started embracing <laughs> the idea of the that four three schedule and doing the five hundred calorie down day is that from the time that I started tracking again, I am now about eight to ten pounds lighter just from July and it's September now. So it's not that long. And that was with vacation in there where I wasn't Mm -hmm. doing my normal schedule. And I'm measuring my inches. And here's a really, really funny thing. Because in the past, every time I have gone from a, you know, ballooned up weight, I did notice that my waist was like the first place I noticed. And probably because of visceral fat and bloating. I'm not seeing that so much this time because I've been fasting for a long time. So I don't think I have the visceral fat. So where I'm seeing it as I'm measuring things, I've lost like two inches on my thighs already. Wow. My thighs. I'm like, and my pants fit better. Good. Right. So I'm seeing that. My waist, I haven't seen that much of a change yet, but I do see it in my pants which is great because I'm bottom heavy. <laughs> I'm kind of shaped like Tinkerbell, you know, like little on top and a totally different size on the bottom. So about how much more weight do you still want to lose to get to where you're, or have you taken that completely out of the equation and you're just working on being strong and making that hike? I wish I could say that I'd taken that out of the equation, that I'm above all of that. I'm not. <laughs> I think, and I was looking at some photos of me when I was around, you know, between 150 and 155, I feel like that's a good healthy range for me where I look and feel my right. best. You want to look I good st- and feel good. Yeah, where I still yeah. have some curves, but I'm not I'm not feeling fluffy. Right. So that's my goal now. So really I, I still have about 25 to 30 pounds to go to feel like I'm to maintenance at this point. But I feel really confident with this new protocol 
that I'm going to get there. I'm no longer in that, well, maybe I'll get there. I don't feel like that anymore. I will get there. That's amazing because you're you're doing it in a way that feels good to you. Your why is strong and you weren't scared to try ADF and it wasn't as scary as you thought it'd be. Not as scary as I thought, I love not it. at all. Tell me like in 30 seconds, your best non-scale victory. Bullet points. C-section scar is almost entirely gone. Amazing. I had a brown recluse bite last fall, and that healed very quickly. I don't have a scar from it. I used to have spider veins that I got from working in a bank back in my 20s. Those are almost gone. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing what our bodies clean up. So in about one minute or less, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? You know, have faith in your ability to fail. It's okay to fail. Because, you know, if you put on your scientist lab coat and realize that this is a science experiment, failure is always an option. Because if you fail, it's just a result. It's not actually a failure. It's, oh, this thing, this method didn't work. So I'm going to try this method. So keep putting on your lab coat and being a scientist. It's your study of one. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Courtney, for sharing your story. And I can't wait to hear about you taking that hike because I know that you'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the 65th National Finals of Distinguished Young Women. Every year, one girl from every state leaves her family, her whole life behind, for two weeks and spends each day training, practicing, preparing. Because to win this competition, she needs to wow a panel of judges with her academic record, her athletic ability, her speaking skills, and a show-stopping talent. I met her and I was like, she's going to win. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. When I sing that song about being a black woman in America, there's going to be backlash about that. Oh, just so happy. So happy. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. And then we stayed with them for the next year, unpacking just what happened those two weeks in Mobile. I'm Shimoliai, and from Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.